All right. We are going to be going through the message just a little bit more quickly today. Not because we don't want to be spiritual and we don't want to spend time in the Word, but we actually believe that the parent-child dedications and the kids' Christmas program are spiritual as well. So um, we'll be reading out of Isaiah today. First, I'm going to start in Isaiah 9, 6. You might be familiar with these portions of Scripture. And then we'll be reading out of Isaiah 53, 1 through 5 later on. So go ahead and turn to Isaiah 9, verse 6. Today we're talking about the way that Jesus came shows us the way. And each week we've been talking about a different aspect of the way that Jesus came and how it shows us how we are supposed to live our lives. And today we're talking about vulnerability, one of my very favorite topics. It did not always used to be one of my favorite topics, but God has worked much in me and deeply in me, and now I see that it's really the only way to live. Jesus came in the most vulnerable way possible, as a human baby. And if you know anything about uh, just people that when you get pregnant, um, it's very common to miscarry. It's not uncommon for things to go wrong in delivery, um, in delivering a baby, and Jesus came through that process. Now, in Isaiah 9, 6, there's this prophecy about Jesus, and it says, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that sounds really great and wonderful, but it's a stark contrast to the way that Jesus came into our world, born to a young man and a young woman um, in a place where animals, farm animals might have been, placed in a, a feeding trough after he was born. So vulnerability, there's lots of definitions of vulnerability, but the main definition of vulnerability is this. Capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, open to attack or damage. That sounds horrible. (laughs) Why would anyone want to live that way? But when Jesus came to us, he had physical and emotional needs. And he lived a physical and emotional life. We like to focus on the spiritual, supernatural part of it. But vulnerability is the opposite of protection. It's the opposite of self-protection, and it is risky. By definition, vulnerability is not safe. But when we talk about living, God, we are praying your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives first. But then, yes, around the world, we need to know what that means. And living a surrendered life to God, living to him in daily obedience, is living a life of vulnerability. And we need to know what we're saying yes to when we say yes to God. Because many times we come to God to rescue us. Even sometimes after we've been following God a long time, we pray our most sincere prayers when we want him to rescue us. But saying yes to God 
is risky. And Jesus showed us what this radical vulnerability looks like. I like to think that Jesus, right after he was born, he probably cried right away. He pooped, he peed, he nursed on his mother. He needed to be swaddled. And if you know anything about babies, they kind of have this flail response and their arms go out. And he needed to be comforted because where had he lived for nine months prior? In a uterus, cramped in um, the uterus of his mother. And so he comes out and he has all the needs that we all had when we were first born. Jesus's childhood, so not too long after he's born. He was vulnerable in his childhood. We know the story that King Herod was threatened by what the wise men had told him, that there was this newborn king that was going to come and take over, and, and Herod is threatened. And so he orders all the babies to and under to be murdered. And the only way that Jesus was saved is because Joseph, in a dream, an angel tells him to flee the country and go to Egypt. And I think about that, that Jesus' life depended on his parents' obedience, his parents' willingness to say yes. And even when I'm thinking about doing these baby dedications, that so much of our kids' lives, their blessing, their uh, protection really rests on on us as the parents saying yes to God. He grew slowly, though, over time. And I, I think it's remarkable that Jesus submitted himself to the same process that we all have to go through. He grew slowly over time in a long, awkward, uncomfortable process to go from baby to an adult. Do you know what that means? That means he went through puberty, His voice cracked, okay? His body was flooded with hormones. And yet, he's being raised by these imperfect parents, but he's also aware that he has a perfect heavenly father. We're not gonna go there today, but I love the story in Luke 2 where it's the only glimpse we get into Jesus' life of him not as a baby and not as an adult. And at the end of Luke 2, it talks about him as a 12-year-old. And his parents are, are in this caravan, and, and they're, they're, in, they're all leaving Jerusalem. And it's interesting that they walk for a day before they even realize he's missing. And some of that speaks to the fact that we sometimes think of Mary and Joseph as they're living off the grid, they're isolated, but they had family, they had friends, you know, Jesus had siblings. And so they're all leaving in this caravan and for a whole day, they think Jesus is somewhere in the caravan. They realize he's missing after a day and go back for him. And it takes them three days to find him. What kind of parents, you know, were they? <laughs> Three days to find him. There was no cell phones. They, you know, there was, there's, there's reasons why it was hard to find him, I'm sure. But they found him in the temple. And Jesus, as a 12-year-old, says, I had to be in my father's house. As an adult, though, we, we know a lot about Jesus' adult life and the vulnerability that he walked in. He opened himself up. Yes, he called his disciples and he taught them and he was trying to 
to lead them and, and show them that he was the Messiah and impart something into them so that when he was gone, they would carry on his mission throughout the earth and tell everyone else about him. But he opened himself up to friendship with them. Jesus at one point tells them, I call you friends. Friendship is vulnerable, opening yourself up to other people. But he was God opening himself up to flawed humans. They didn't understand half of the parables that he talked about. They were like, what were you saying? Do you want to explain that to us? He would do miracles, and they would still not believe fully. He had to ask them, like, well, who do you say that I am? Do you believe I'm the Messiah? And they walked with him in the physical sense every single day. And of course, we mostly, most of us probably know about the vulnerability of Jesus at his death. So it, let's go to Isaiah 53. Just turn a few more pages from where we were. Jesus, one of his closest friends, one of the 12, betrays him. And I often think about that, that Jesus one of his closest friends was going to betray him. But Jesus didn't hold back who he was. He still poured his entire self out. And I, 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 when you read about Jesus saying that one of you is going to betray me, and it's interesting that the disciples were like, who is it? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be? Like they didn't know, which means that Jesus wasn't treating Judas any differently than anyone else. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1, says, uh, it starts actually in, in Isaiah 52, and it's talking about the suffering and the glory of, they say, the servant, but it's, it's Jesus. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty, beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus was perfect. So sometimes we can think living a life of vulnerability, it's because if things, bad things happen to us, it's because we're doing something wrong. Jesus was perfect, but he was still attacked, he was accused, he was mocked, and he ultimately suffered one of the most brutal and humiliating deaths for us. He did it for us. True vulnerability is a form of generosity. True vulnerability says that I will give you all of who I really am, even if you don't value the gift that I am or that's in me. And I will do this even if you don't show me who you really 
are. That is what Jesus did, not just for each one of us, but he offered himself to a lot of people that chose not to accept him. And for each of you in here, true vulnerability, living a life of vulnerability, surrendered to God, would know that you are a gift to others. It would know that you are continually offering the gifts in you, and not just giftings is what we think of giftings, but who Jesus is in you, and you're offering that to others freely, not holding back, but pouring yourself out, whether you are received or accepted or whether those things, the generosity of Jesus in you is reciprocated or not. I've said this quote before, and it's by my friend Tiffany uh, in Kyrgyzstan. And she talks about the vulnerability of God in this way. She said, how remarkable the vulnerability that God displays in that he chooses to use us to carry out his purposes on the earth. It's weird. Why would not God just magically fix the earth, fix suffering, fix the sin inside of us? Why, why wouldn't he just do that? Why would he choose to work through a long, slow, awkward, uncomfortable process through us, to show people his love on the earth. He works his eternal purposes for humanity through your prayers, through your worship, through your obedience, through your surrendered lives. And sometimes I have to question, God, (laughs) why would he choose such an eternally, it seems like, flawed plan? But This God that we love, this God that we get to serve, he chooses us and he waits patiently for us to be the ones to carry out his purposes on the earth. So really, what does a a life of radical vulnerability look like for us? It means allowing yourself to become vulnerable. It means allowing yourself to become open. And a lot of times, because of the suffering that we have experienced, because of the betrayals we've experienced, it is natural, we have a tendency to shut down. We have a tendency to self-protect and self-preserve. But when we do that, we put ourselves in a spiritual, emotional, and relational prison. No one can get in, and we can't get out. So if we try to protect ourselves, or even sometimes as parents, we'll try to protect our kids. We try to protect our our loved ones from all these things that are scary out there in the world, or scary in relationships, fear and grief and suffering. And we try to block out all the things that make us feel uncomfortable. And that could be people whose lives are a mess. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable. People whose lives are a mess, and you're just like, I just, I can't deal with that. Or it could be blocking out people that are not afraid of how messy you are. Sometimes that's actually really scary that someone could like you and love you and actually still want relationship with you even though they know that you're a mess. It could be you might try to block out the people that you don't want to be friends with. Lord, don't don't ask me to be friends with those people. Don't ask me to get in close relationship with those people. Or sometimes we block out the people that we are in friendship with And they love us enough 
to hold us accountable and to maybe tell us how they're experiencing us, maybe that's what we're trying to block out. But when we do that, we block out the freedom that we're called to walk in. And some of us are walking or we're living in prisons that we have put ourselves in. Really, vulnerability looks like saying yes to God, though. You can say yes to him one time when you maybe call it your moment of salvation, when you decided to follow Jesus. But guess what? He keeps asking us to say yes to him again and again and again. And just when you think you've said yes so much to God and you're so surrendered and you are just like living so wholeheartedly for him, he asks you something else and he wants you to say yes to him again and again and again. And it never stops. So just so you know, that's what you're getting yourself into. And that's what living a life of vulnerability looks like. It means pouring ourselves out, emptying ourselves out for others that may or may not receive it, may or may not value it. And we say yes again and again and again. Now, if you're thinking um, I get walked all over or, um, you know, what about boundaries? That's a whole different message. (laughs) We'll talk about that at some other time. But this life of saying yes to God is what we're called to. So don't be surprised when God asks you to step out of your comfort zone. Don't be caught off guard or bitter about the fact that Jesus might ask you to do something that is really uncomfortable, that he might ask you to forgive even though you've been hurt, that he might ask you to move somewhere else. We have dear friends here, McKinley's, that moved to Dearborn, Michigan, and they're living uh, among just a totally different, actually like city government than we would even be used to and surrounded by completely different people. And it's a risk. It's not safe. There are a lot of things that they are experiencing. They said yes to God to go, and now they have to keep saying yes to God every single day. I even think about living with constant physical pain, saying yes to God and choosing to trust that he's good, even if you're living in pain, asking to be healed, but believing that if you don't get healed before you go to heaven, that you will still trust him. We lost um, Jeremiah Stricker to cancer. And we've lost a few other friends in the last month, month and a half here. And Jeremiah was a beautiful example of radical vulnerability. Yes, he had faith, but do you know what his faith looked like? Every day, it looked like pouring himself out for others regardless of what pain he was experiencing. Radical vulnerability is a paradox because it is the riskiest thing. And when you're following Jesus, though, it's the safest place to be. There's no other place you want to be than close to Jesus, following Jesus, saying yes to Jesus. We've got to know that when we pray the prayer, his kingdom come, his will be done, what we are actually praying is God, bring your government, your ways, your kingdom, but that means that we are saying, will you strip us of our self-protecting, self-preserving ways when we get hurt, when we don't like the way that you have answered a prayer or not answered a prayer? 
And will you do that so that you have access to all of me and I have access to all of you? Will you do that so that other people have access to me and I can, in full confidence, lay down my life for others? So I just wanna, I wanna end in, in prayer for all of us. And we're gonna get ready to go into a really fun thing and we're gonna do baby dedications. So it's a little bit of an emotional roller coaster maybe today. <laughs> But God can handle it, and uh, he invites us to experience the full range of emotions as well. So let's just pray. And if, if you can pray with me, and you're willing to pray the prayer and agree in your heart, God, would you help me to live a lifestyle of radical vulnerability like Jesus did? Would you help me to do that? I want, you to, I want to invite you to, to agree with me and agree with what God is saying over each one of us today. So Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the way that he surrendered and submitted his life to you. Thank you that he did not hold back from giving us his full self. Thank you that he offered his very life for us. And I thank you that even now, um, through your Holy Spirit, we can have access to all of you. And I I ask for us today, Lord, that you would help us to open our hearts up to you, even if it feels risky, even if it feels unsafe. God, I ask that you would help us to open our hearts up to you, and in doing so, open ourselves up to others, that we would be able to offer our lives for others and be emptied of ourselves and poured out for others. Lord, we do it because we love you. We get to serve you. It's not, uh, we don't hold back and we don't do it grudgingly. So help us when we say yes to you to say it with our whole hearts. And if we can't say it with our whole hearts, you will take the small measure of faith that we had and have and you'll multiply it. So either way, we say yes to you today. We love you. And we thank you for the example that Jesus gave us. In your name, amen. Amen.